0: Welcome to new
1: city online i'm ron the online pastor here and if it's your first time joining us we want to say thank you for checking us out and we hope this service is a blessing to you if you want to learn more about new city church our values our beliefs and even meet some of our staff you can do all that through our website newcity.us we also want to be known as a praying church and we love the opportunity to pray for you if you have something that's been on your heart for a while or have recently gone through a tough season and need prayer We'd be honored to walk alongside you in that. You can let us know any requests at newcity.us slash prayer. And here at New City, we wanna be a church that serves and loves our city well. We launched a serve initiative last week called Project Books that aims to get every student in our two partners schools five books to read over the summer. If you'd like to learn more about this project and give to support it, you can do so at newcity.us slash And finally, speaking of giving, I want to take just a moment to share with you one of my favorite stories in the Bible about this topic. The story is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And if you're familiar with this miracle, Jesus took the small gift of bread and fish from a boy in the crowd, and he turned it into something amazing, food for over 5,000 men, women, and children. It's such a reminder to me that Jesus can do a lot with a little. All he needs is someone willing to give. If you call New City your home, we hope you'll join us in giving as an act of worship at newcity.us give. Allow God to take your gift, no matter how big or small, and turn it into a lot for His glory. Now let's continue to worship together.
2: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sins Lost without hope, with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name my morning grew quiet, my fear rose to dance. When death was a rest, and my life began. No, oh, your grace, so free, washes over. Your endless love Pouring out on us You have made us new Now life begins with you yeah. Released from my chains I'm a prisoner no more, And my shame was arrested No criminal's cross, and darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. And but the Jesus arose with our free Rise, my soul will rest in Your embrace. For I am Yours, You are mine. Your grace abounds. Mule Mewo-
1: Pastor Chris Payne will be preaching on the parable of the mustard seed from Matthew 13. So as you have time, go ahead and turn there in your Bible or the New City app. These two short verses will remind us to never underestimate a small faith in the hands of a big God. Now here's Chris with the next sermon in Stories Jesus Told. This story Jesus told is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Thirty-two. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants, and becomes a tree, so that birds come and perch in its branches.
0: Jesus told stories. In fact, you could say that Jesus was a master storyteller. He connected with people at a heart level in a way that they could understand. What's interesting is that Jesus' stories weren't just everyday common stories for story's sake. They had a purpose. They had a meaning, a destination. Really, the stories that Jesus told were an invitation for people to know him more, to know his heart, to know the kingdom. And in this way, Jesus' stories were known as parables, we get our word in English parable from the word, Greek word parabole, which means to come alongside of. It's also where we get our word parallel. So think about the parables as a parallel story that's walking alongside someone and helping them to see a kingdom reality, a different perspective. Um, I don't know about you, but we get uh, birds oftentimes stuck in our garage. And it can be so frustrating because they'll, they'll fly from one end to the other and the more you try to help them to get out of the garage, the the worse it seems to go. Has this happened to you? And I think about that in terms of of parables and what Jesus did for us. You know, Jesus didn't stand in heaven and point his finger at us or yell at us or wave his arms like like I often do with these birds and try to get them to fly out of our garage. Jesus became one of us. You know, John 1.14 says that the word, Jesus, became flesh. Uh, Jesus took on flesh just like us, became like one of us, and began to speak like us. He told stories that we could understand. Um, So in this way, you know, Jesus became a bird, so he could tell birds how to fly to freedom. And and the, the parables were a way that Jesus did this, that he incarnated the truth, that he came alongside of us and helped us to understand what the kingdom of heaven, what his kingdom was really going to be like. We're talking about the Gospel of Matthew. We've been working through this very first book in the New Testament. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, wherever you might be today, I want to invite you to to open them. Or maybe you'll open the New City app and the passage is already preloaded there. We're in Matthew chapter 13. And what's interesting in Matthew is uh, Matthew captures so many of these parables, these stories that Jesus told. In fact, he writes out more stories that Jesus told than any other gospel writer. And today's parable, where we are in Matthew chapter 13, is a very short parable. It's it's actually known as a micro parable, which is ironic uh, given the subject of the parable itself. And it's it's an example of how great of a storyteller that Jesus really was, that in two short sentences in our parable today, he packs in so much truth. We learn from this the parable that Jesus told today, the story that he told, that we should never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. Bottom line, never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. This is the parable of the mustard seed, and it's found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Let me read the scripture to you today. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown it is larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. So what's happening around this parable? This this again it's a it's a very short story. It's a micro parable these two short sentences but so much truth packed in here what's happening around this story let's let's remember in context today that jesus um, is not only king, but he's also prophet and priest. So he's he's come as king to, to explain his kingdom, but he's also a prophet correcting people and their misunderstandings about who he was. And he's a priest healing people, and he's doing all of these things around this parable. And specifically, as he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he begins to correct people's assumptions of what, about what the kingdom was really going to be like. People had expectations. Maybe you have expectations, We have expectations about what other people are supposed to do we have expectations of ourselves people had expectations of jesus this messiah who was going to come and so in this parable jesus begins to explain what the reality of the kingdom of heaven was really going to be like and he uses the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god if you read the gospel of matthew he uses them interchangeably and in matthew chapter 13 this is one parable of six that Jesus explains what the kingdom of heaven is really gonna be like in terms of the reality and the expectations. Remember, people had their reality, now Jesus comes right alongside of them in parallel and and, and helps them to understand what the, the actual reality of the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. They have expectations, but here's the reality. Their expectations, many people's expectations that were listening to Jesus was that the Messiah, Jesus, was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire, that he was going to physically reestablish the kingdom of, of David and his throne there in Jerusalem and kick out all the other nations and the foreign occupiers and Israel would once again be a nation of glory. That was their expectation. And Jesus comes alongside that expectation and begins to live in a very different way and explain the kingdom in a very different way. let me let me ask you a question. How many of you grew up as the youngest in your family? I grew up as the youngest. I have a twin, so youngest by only five minutes, but still the youngest. And a lot of times the youngest in the family, they they learn they have to jockey for position. They have to kind of push their way forward to to compete with their older siblings. And this was Israel. And Jesus's audience, they kind of had a chip on their shoulder. And they had this expectation that when Jesus came, when the Messiah came, he was going to establish them in their glory. And they were going to be able to compete and be shoulder to shoulder with their other big brother nations around them. And Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom, he comes alongside that expectation in parallel with reality of the kingdom. And he says, the reality of the kingdom of heaven in context is going to be very different than what you expect it to be. It's going to start small. And instead of of kicking out the the foreign occupiers and other kingdoms around you, the kingdom of heaven is going to start in your heart, and it's going to kick out the foreign occupiers that occupy your heart. Ouch. So God's kingdom is going to start inside of me, and his principles are going to take root inside of me and then begin to flourish and build from there. So Jesus invites his listeners to establish God's kingdom in their own lives, And he invites them with this parallel to begin to think about the kingdom of heaven in a very different way, and he compares the kingdom of heaven here in our story in Matthew 13, 31, and 32 to a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed, I brought a few of them today to show you. A mustard seed is the smallest of all the known seeds in Palestine. So in the first century, people didn't know of a seed that was smaller than these seeds. In fact, what's interesting is the mustard seed, it would take... um, 20,000 of these seeds to comprise one ounce, a very small seed. And yet Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, to one of these seeds. I brought a picture to illustrate how small they would be in your finger. You can see very, very small. This farming audience that Jesus was speaking to, remember, uh, most of the the people that listened to the stories Jesus told, these parables, uh, lived off the land. They were an agrarian culture. They they understood farming. And so when Jesus begins to to compare the kingdom of heaven to their expectations of the kingdom of heaven, and he uses the mustard seed to do so, they must have thought that Jesus was out of his mind. Because in rabbinic writings like the Mishnah, uh, things that this audience would have been familiar with in history, the rabbis would teach about the mustard seed as being something that was very common, it was very insignificant. It was something that was small and shouldn't be really paid attention to. And yet Jesus uses the mustard seed to point us to what the kingdom of heaven is really gonna be like. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting in terms of the metaphor that Jesus is using with the mustard seed. So a mustard seed starts really small, as you can see, but it grows very large and expansive. In fact, in just a, a short amount of time, a small little mustard seed can grow into a plant, a, a tree that's that's 12, 15 feet in height and width. And, and it can grow even larger from there. Here's a picture of one that I brought to show you in full maturation. It's huge. In fact, in Palestine, the mustard tree was the largest of all the garden trees. So what is Jesus trying to say here? From a small start, Jesus was teaching that his kingdom can grow. It can become expansive. And in fact, when Jesus returns for the second time and reestablishes his kingdom here on earth in full that we'll see the expansiveness of his kingdom. We live in in a now and not yet reality, meaning that the kingdom of heaven is here. It is now among us, but it's not in full reality what it will be. But Jesus says, one day, these small seeds of faith like the kingdom of heaven planted in our hearts, will grow to a large kingdom that will be expansive and will fill up the entire garden. Remember where all of this started in Genesis, in a garden. And so Jesus, again, uses an agrarian metaphor to illustrate a small amount of faith in our hearts that's planted in the kingdom of God can grow into something very expansive. Now, the, the mustard seed is also a metaphor for faith. So faith plays a huge part in the growth of the kingdom. In fact, faith is the currency of the kingdom, it's fueled by faith, and so the mustard seed becomes again a metaphor to illustrate that even a small amount of faith, something very very small, can have a significant kingdom impact. Now what is faith? What does the word faith mean? Well the closest word in English that we have to the word faith, a biblical understanding of faith, is the word trust. And you know, we're all putting our trust in someone or something. I wonder what that might be for you today. Who are you putting your trust in? Who are you putting your faith in? The writer of Hebrews describes faith in this way. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. So again, the mustard seed becomes this perfect illustration, this perfect metaphor of faith for Jesus, that something very, very small, something that we can't hardly even see, can have a huge kingdom impact when it's planted in the promises of God. So let me say it a different way. Kingdom faith planted in the promises of God having their their trust in God and his promises, who he is and what he's done, can have a huge impact. But how? How does that work in our lives? Well, wherever you are today, and if I've lost you, come back to me for this, okay? Because I want you just to take down a couple of notes about how this kingdom faith that starts small in our hearts can have a huge impact. Impact. How does that work? Let, let's look from the lesson of the mustard seed. Kingdom faith starts small. Number one, it starts small. It's a step. It's an act of faith, of belief, of trust. You don't have to have faith that's as big as the, the mountains. It can be the size of a mustard seed, and it can have a huge impact. You see, God seems to delight in taking small things, and 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 having them make a huge eternal and kingdom impact. Of taking even a small amount of faith that we might have and multiplying that to become very expansive. Again, Jesus, when the uh, children come to him in the scriptures, little kids would come to him all the time as he was going through different villages. And just by way of illustration, the disciples would try to shoo them away. And Jesus, do you remember this? He would say, No, let the little children come to me, for such as these little kids, seemingly insignificant, to them belongs the what? Do you remember? belongs the kingdom. Their small childlike faith, their trust in Jesus is what the kingdom was going to be established on. And the same is true for us. The prophet Zechariah wrote it this way, maybe just write this verse down and go back and look at it for yourself. He's prophesying, he says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So I wonder what needs to begin in your heart today, what needs to begin in your life you know, sometimes we we don't start something. We don't we we don't um, believe something. We don't we don't get on, get about the work of something because we think that we have to have it all together. We think that we have to have all the answers. We think that it has to be this big deal if we're gonna if we're gonna do something, especially for God. And God flips it all around here. He says, "No, just start small. Start right where you are and take a step, even if it's just a baby tiny step towards me and trusting me and believing me." Big and significant things do come in small and unlikely beginnings. We see that all throughout the scriptures. Think about it. Israel was the smallest among the nations, and yet God delighted to to use them and to dwell with them. They were chosen by God as His people, the smallest of all the nations. Gideon, you remember, had this small army that that was used in a mighty way. and it was almost as if the the smaller his army got, the more significant of an impact God had through them. David, remember King David? He was the youngest of his brothers. He was a small kid and yet God used him to defeat a mighty giant. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, this little town, this outpost village where Jesus chose to be born. Why? God delights in using small, insignificant, seemingly tiny things to do expansive kingdom work. Even the 12 disciples themselves, uh, common men, uneducated, Galileans, fishermen, 12 of them that changed the world. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way. Again, just a cross reference this week to go back and read for yourself. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 29. Let me read it to you quickly. Paul writes, Remember, dear brothers and sisters. And just circle that word, remember. You know, we got to remember what God has done, we got to remember what he has said. Paul says, Remember that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. In other words, few of you had it together. He's speaking to Christians. He says, most of you weren't wealthy. You weren't powerful. You didn't have it together. And God chose the things that were despised by the world, people like you, things counted as nothing at all, insignificant, small, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Finally, he said this, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. In other words, small faith, tiny faith, it it can't boast in of itself. It's so insignificant. It's so common. It's so small. But when it grows, it can't help but boast in the work of God, that God took something small, your small faith, your small trust, and he built it into something that his kingdom can be established in and through. Never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. Never underestimate your small trust in the hands of a big God. God. We learn, first of all, how the kingdom faith works that Jesus is describing, that it starts small. But secondly, I love this, uh, kingdom faith grows in unseen, dark, and oftentimes dirty places. Unseen, dark, and dirty places. That's where kingdom faith takes root. That's where it grows. After a mustard seed is planted into the ground, just like this man did in the parable that Jesus tells, for the first 20 days or so, nothing can be seen from the mustard seed that's been planted. But that doesn't mean that nothing is happening. And the same is true in our faith. Sometimes we don't see any evidence. Sometimes we see nothing happening. Nobody else around us can see anything happening, but that doesn't mean that God isn't at work. Just like that seed that's been planted in the soil, something is happening inside of it in those dark, dirty, unseen places. The same is true for our faith. In quiet darkness, the dirt of life, faith in Jesus is taking shape and form. And faith must take root in our hearts first for it to expand beyond ourselves and have a kingdom impact on our family, on our neighborhood, on our company, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our city, in our world. Kingdom faith puts down roots. Listen to this. Kingdom faith puts down roots, then it produces fruits. Kingdom faith puts down roots, and then it produces fruits. The way of the kingdom starts first in our hearts and quiet, unseen, dirty places. And as it grows and expands, then it becomes visible for other people to see. But if it doesn't take root, if it doesn't put down roots, it never produces kingdom fruits. Other people might see things that we're doing. Uh, We we might put on a show. We might put on a religious veneer for other people to see how godly we are. But it's not until the, the kingdom faith establishes itself in our hearts that it really begins to take off and produce fruit. And finally, speaking of that, Let's look at the third thing, that kingdom the way that kingdom faith works. Not only does it start small, not only does it grow best in dark, unseen, dirty places, but it blesses others. Kingdom faith blesses other people. Look at the way that Jesus finished this parable in verse 32, that the smallest of the seeds when it's grown, it becomes the largest of the garden plants. And finally, he says it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches the birds come and find protection in the mustard seed tree or in the mustard tree the, the 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 birds of the air come and 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 find provision there from such a small seed becomes something that blesses everything in the garden and the same is true for each of us in this garden of of the world that god has put us in we're meant to bless other people interestingly in the scriptures both ezekiel and daniel use the metaphor of the tree as a picture of a kingdom blessing the other people around it, all of its inhabitants and either other, even other kingdoms around it. And so Jesus now uses the same metaphor, that a tree is going to be representative of his kingdom. And when that tree takes root, even from the smallest of seeds, and it grows, it blesses everything in the garden and the same is true for us as Christians. When we live as God has called us to live, when when it, when it the kingdom of heaven takes root in our hearts and it begins to produce fruit, everything around us flourishes, and that's God's design for his community, for us as Christ followers, that the city around us, the world around us, would flourish because of our kingdom faith. In closing, just a, a couple of chapters later, in chapter 17, Uh, The disciples come to Jesus, and they're frustrated because Jesus has sent them out to do ministry, to act on their faith and their trust. And they're frustrated because there's a little boy that's demon-possessed, and they're not able to to rid the boy of the demon, to, to cast him out. And they come to Jesus in Matthew 17, verses 19 and 20, and they talk to Jesus about this. And they ask him, look at it with me, they say, "'Why could we not cast out this demon?' Verse 19 and, and chapter 17. And Jesus answers them, listen to this, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith like the grain of the mustard seed, you'll say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And Jesus finishes by saying here in Matthew 17, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you amazing. The disciples needed to understand that faith is the most powerful force in all of the world. But here's the deal, guys. Everybody watch this. That it's not the size of your faith. That's not what Jesus is teaching here, obviously. He's not saying that you need to have this huge faith. He says, even the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you'll be able to look at the mountain and say, move here, move there. And he's obviously using hyperbole to illustrate this point, that faith is the most powerful force in all of the world. But it's not the size of the faith, it's the object of the faith. In other words, it's the person that we're placing our faith in. All of us are placing our faith and our trust in someone or something. And Jesus says, as you place your faith in me, as you place your faith in the kingdom, that's when it grows. That's when it becomes powerful. And remember, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Power isn't the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Politics are not the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Wealth is not the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Faith is. And Jesus wants us to grow a big kingdom faith, but it starts small. And it's about the object of our faith, the one that we're placing our trust and our faith in. Bottom line today, the parable of the the mustard seed. Never underestimate small faith in the hands of a big God. Don't underestimate your small amount of trust, whatever you can bring to Jesus today. Don't underestimate what you can bring to Jesus, your small amount of belief or trust placed in his big hands. I wonder today, I just wonder, wherever you might be today, I just wonder what that mustard seed might look like in your heart today, that mustard seed faith, that that kingdom faith in your life. I wonder what that next step might be for you. Maybe it's, you know, I need to have a conversation with someone. Maybe it's, I need to to begin to pray more and begin to take my troubles and burdens to God instead of to other people. I don't know what that might look like for you, but I know that each of us has a step that we can take closer to Jesus, of placing our faith and our trust more in him and less in ourselves. What might that look like for you today to have a a kingdom faith that begins just like a mustard seed, but is planted in the promises of God and who he is and takes root so that it flourishes and blesses all kinds of people in all kinds of places around us. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for myself, for every single one of us, that we would have that kind of kingdom faith as we place our trust in Jesus today. Would you pray with me wherever you might be today? Let's pray together. God, would you help us to trust you today, to take a a tiny step towards you, whatever that might be. Thank you that you delight in taking small, seemingly common, insignificant things and using them for your glory. You take small, seemingly insignificant, common steps, and you multiply them when we take those steps towards you. Forgive us for placing our trust in other people, and for placing our trust in power or wealth or all the other stuff that we chase after. Help us to place that trust in you, however small it might be. And we pray that you would grow your kingdom, that your kingdom would be expanded first in our hearts and it would also expand to other people in our family, our, that people would be blessed in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our city right here where we are, and indeed all around the world. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, and start with us today. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us today through your word, through this story. And would you now give each and every one of us the faith and the trust to go and obey and take a step closer to you. We'll give you the glory for it, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.
2: Spirit, lead me where my trusted is without voice. Let me walk upon the walls wherever You would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made strong in the presence of our Savior. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours and you are mine.
1: Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.